Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, bed crimers. As always, I wish you the best. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Thank you for checking out my channel. Let me just ask that after listening to or watching this video, if you learned something or enjoyed it, please do me a favor and smash that like button. Now, let's dig in. The three little boys from Monroe Township, Claremont County, Ohio, who were killed by their father, allegedly, 32-year-old Chad Dorman on June 15th of 2023, were laid to rest this past Monday. A visitation and celebration of life took place Monday night at the First Baptist Church of Glen Esty in Batavia, Ohio. Clayton, age seven, Hunter, age four, and Chase, age three, died together and were celebrated together during this event. Their obituary reads, quote, Three brothers bonded together in life and now for eternity as God has reeled them in to heaven for unending days of fishing, playing outside way past bedtime, laughing loudly and nonstop giggling. They loved unconditionally, sharing their big hearts with anyone who they could make laugh and give them love. Clayton, fondly known as Clayton Man, loved making Lego creations, riding his go-kart, telling jokes, singing and laughing while loving his best dog pal, Gatlin. His love language was giving gifts, whether it be finding, creating, or sharing treasures. He loved his family and often looked out for his brothers. Hunter, fondly known as Hunter Dog, loved going to the creek and catching frogs, and his love of baseball extended beyond the ball field to his bed, in attachment like an extra arm to connect him to his ball and glove as he slept. He loved calling his mom and sister pretty girls and telling them he loved them every day. Chase, fondly known as Chasers, loved swinging on swings and couldn't wait to be a baseball player like his brothers. He loved playing with dinos and pretending to be a superhero. He was the best cuddler, wanting his mama to stay close by to give her many hugs. He will forever be known as Mama's Baby. They are survived by their loving family, including their mother, Laura, who survived a gunshot wound to her hand while trying to protect Chase, and her teenage daughter, Alexis. Little crumbs of information are slowly showing up about what might have led to this unspeakably cruel crime, a crime so heinous that the prosecutors in Ohio have already said they will seek the death penalty against the admitted perpetrator, Chad Dorman. Despite confessing to the crime, Dorman, likely at his attorney's request, or rather advisement, pleaded not guilty. I believe that's pretty much standard procedure, but it does feel like a slap after he already admitted to the crime. The story seems to be heading down the path of DV. According to Chad's neighbor, Richard Kincannon, Chad was angry every day and had a temper. Kincannon said, quote, there wasn't a day he didn't yell at his wife and kids out there, yelling all the time and treating his wife like S-H-I-T, end quote. Kincannon also said 
that he witnessed Chad tossing his kids around the yard. And even Chad's friend, a guy named Mark Holland, said this about Chad. He had a bad temper, really bad. I think he was a bomb ready to explode, end quote. A glance at Chad Dorman's criminal history reveals one incident that stands out above all the others, which are mostly traffic violations. In 2010, Chad's father Keith accused him of putting his hands tightly around his neck in an attempt to squeeze out the air, if you know what I mean. Per the father, Chad was aggressively laying his hands on his neck. This act of placing one's hands around another person's neck is one of the most lethal forms of DV. When someone puts their hands on another person's neck and squeezes really hard, unconsciousness may occur within seconds and death within minutes. That's one reason this act is considered a felony assault. And if it goes too far, it can quickly become a homicide. Putting one's hands around another person is also the ultimate form of power and control. Think about it. This allows the perpetrator to demonstrate his or her control over that person because he or she controls their next breath. That's literally the ability to determine life or death. In essence, the perpetrator is playing God. For the victim, if they survive, it's a terrifying and painful experience. A study by the National Institute of Justice found that victims are 10 times more likely to be killed by someone who has previously put his or her hands around their neck. And according to the Family Safety Center, a history of putting one's hands on another person's neck in a relationship is the second biggest indicator for future DV homicide. The only other act that supersedes this is threatening a partner with a firearm. Remember beautiful Gabby Petito? A coroner ruled that she died as a result of someone putting their hands around her neck. It makes you wonder if Laundry had done that at any time prior to Gabby's death. For Chad Dorman to have committed this act against another human being, regardless of whether it was his father instead of his wife or children was a critical red flag that seems to have gone unnoticed or unheeded. This indicates to me that Dorman was well on the path to violence when he did that to his father in 2010. It's too bad that the case was dismissed on August 26 of 2010 when Chad's father Keith failed to appear as a prosecution witness against his son. Had Chad been found guilty and maybe spent some time in jail or on probation, it's possible he would have gotten some anger management classes. Maybe. While jails and prisons often say they offer such classes, the reality is either they don't or the prisoner gets to decide for himself or herself whether or not to take the class. After his three little grandsons died, Keith Dorman told the New York Post that his son Chad must have, quote, just snapped. Now, to me, this sounds like a father trying to protect his adult son. We know that sometimes people snap and do others in in those moments, but Chad allegedly confessed to killing his sons in a deliberate manner, one by one. 
Chad also allegedly admitted that he'd planned the crime for several months. Clearly, despite what Keith Dorman says, Chad did not snap. He was displaying violent behavior well before he did this, and he had planned the crime, he said, several months earlier by his own admission. He thought about it and then followed through. In that same interview with the New York Post, Keith Dorman also said he'd just visited Chad the week before the crime. Keith said of his son, quote, he seemed fine. He was a jokester and a fun-loving guy, end quote. Keith also insisted that Chad had no history of mental illness or strange behavior or a criminal record. Clearly, Chad's dad either forgot about the DV incident or he was in denial about his son's capacity for violence. Yes, I know that the charge did not appear because the case was dismissed, but the father still knows what the son did to him. Apparently, Keith and his wife Gloria offered to put up $75,000 for Chad's bond before the judge, at the prosecutor's request, set it for $20 million, which is the highest bond ever set in Claremont County. You'd think that the parents would be afraid that Chad might hurt his wife and stepdaughter if he was released, and that for their sakes, they would not pony up this money to get him out. It's also important to note that Chad's mother left an adoring comment on a photo on her son's Facebook in which Chad talks about waking up his young children one weeknight at 11 p.m. when it was snowing so that they could all go outside and make a snowman. For kids as young as seven, four, and three, waking them up like this when you're a dad who later goes on to take their lives doesn't point to someone who has his kids' best interest in mind or someone who wants to make a special memory with his little kids or someone who cares about how their mother may feel about him waking up the kids after she maybe is the one who got them all down to sleep. To me, it sounds reckless. You can disagree, but that's my take. And by the way, I'm not blaming Chad's parents for him committing this brutal crime. I just think it's interesting that some parents are so keen on protecting their adult children from trouble with the law, even when those adult kids have displayed dangerous behavior and even admitted to it. We just saw the letter Roberta Laundrie wrote to Brian in which she made it clear she'd help him bury a body if need be. We also watched as the father of Paul Flores, who was convicted of killing young Kristen Smart in 1996, was himself charged with helping his son hide Smart's body on his property. The father, Ruben Flores, was ultimately found not guilty of accessory to the crime, but you have to wonder what he may have seen or known. Back to Chad Dorman, the DV rumor that is circulating in places like Reddit and in some Facebook Facebook true crime groups is that Chad's wife Laura had threatened months earlier to leave him if he did not stop drinking. The rumor goes that Chad has a problem with booze. Again, this is purely an unsubstantiated rumor at this point, but often such rumors later prove to have some truth to them. The rumor goes on to say that Chad, in turn, 
allegedly threatened to harm his wife and or kids if she tried to leave him. DV experts always say that a DV victim is in the greatest danger when they're planning to leave. That's why they say you should never tell your abuser that you're planning to leave them. It's safer to keep your mouth shut. The rumor about Chad and Laura further says that she was in the act of packing to leave Chad when he suddenly showed up at home early and caught her. Some are saying that Laura's sister was with her and helping her to pack. Others say that Laura was planning to escape to her sister's house. How Chad knew Laura was packing, allegedly, if this rumor is true, is unknown. Perhaps he had ring cameras inside the house that he could check. Maybe he had listening devices stashed away. If he was paranoid, about his wife leaving him, then anything's possible. This case also has a backdrop of financial trouble. Laura has some unresolved debt. Now, I'm not saying this to victim shame her. Who among us hasn't had financial woes from time to time? What I'm trying to illustrate is that a situation where there's possibly alcohol abuse, DV, financial woes, and the demands of three little kids under the age of eight could prove a powder keg waiting to explode. And if all of that is true, I'm wondering if Laura felt or was trapped in her situation with Chad because she maybe didn't have the resources to make a safe and speedy escape for herself and for her four children. If this rumor turns out to be true, it would appear that Chad Dorman may have harmed his three little boys in the name of vengeance. This would mean that Chad wanted to punish Laura for threatening to leave him. Chad had to have known that the worst possible pain he could inflict on his wife was to destroy her children, give her in unbearable pain that will last her a lifetime. I'm thinking there is something very broken inside Chad. His father, Keith, described him at his recent arraignment like this. I could tell in his eyes he was hollow inside. That wasn't Chad standing at the arraignment. That was not him, end quote. I also noticed that Chad didn't shed any tears when the police arrived at his house after the two 911 calls. In fact, as Chad sat calmly on the steps to the home's front porch, one of his boy's bodies was lying just a few feet away in the grass. To have zero emotion in a tense and disturbing situation like that spells a lack of empathy. The Claremont County prosecutor, Mark Tukolve, who's worked in Claremont County for 30 years, said that it was among the worst cases he'd ever seen. That says a lot. Take a listen to what else he said. This is by far uh, the most sickening, horrifying crime I have seen. I can only imagine that the, the, the terror these little boys uh, felt and experienced as, as, as their, their father, the protector, was, was murdering them. Uh, unfortunately, the mother saw this. Uh, you can imagine the, the immense trauma and terror that she experienced. And we will do our utmost uh, 
within my office to see that uh, this defendant never sees the light of day again. To try and better understand Chad Dorman's possible mental state, I listened to Dr. Todd Grande's analysis of the crime and of Chad. Dr. Grande brought up how Chad changed his Facebook profile photo a few days before the crime to an image of his three sons, and he also uploaded a few other photos of the boys. Grande said that often, when parents post images of their kids to social media, they're doing this out of pride. To Dr. Grande, this spells Chad maybe not planning the crime in advance, despite what he's allegedly said. Grande rightly called this crime an example of filicide and said that research shows that in 66% of these cases, the perpetrator is the mother of the children, and in 34% of the cases, the perp is the father. Per Dr. Grande, about 50% of filicides are also familicides, and that is crimes in which the perpetrator not only kills the children, but also kills his or her spouse. And in between 40 and 60% of the cases, the perpetrator also unalives themselves. Here are the characteristics Grande listed in cases where the perpetrator of the filicide is the father. The average age is 31. He often has several mental health conditions, which could include depression, personality pathology, substance abuse disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, paranoia, or psychosis. He is psychotic 40% of the time. He tends to be unemployed. He is undereducated, poor, and socially isolated. The average age of the victims is five years old, which is older than when the mother is the perpetrator of filicide. There are five main types of filicide. The first one is the altruistic type. This is when the parent kills the child because he or she believes it is in the best interests of the child. This is the most common type of filicide. The second type is acutely psychotic. This is when the parent is suffering from psychosis and there may be no real motive for the crime. The third type is unwanted child. This is when the parent views the child as an inconvenience. The fourth type is accidental. The last type is called spouse revenge. Dr. Grande, like me, believes this case falls under this final category. Dr. Grande believes Chad may have acted out in a narcissistic rage. Per Grande, Chad likely deliberately made sure his wife survived so that she could suffer from this crime for a lifetime. In Chad's mind, per Dr. Grande, he wasn't angry at his little boys. His anger was at his wife, and she was the one he wanted to hurt. He was not going to stand by being rejected by his wife while his sons were embraced by her. So cruel. In today's video, I also want to share new disturbing details about exactly how the three young boys were injured. Initially, we were told the boys were lined up outside the home and then shot. However, it has now come out that that's not exactly the case. According to the county prosecutor, Mark Tukalve, Dorman first attacked his four-year-old son, Hunter. Hunter was shot twice in the head 
and this attack took place inside the Dorman home. Next, seven-year-old Clayton was, quote, gunned down from behind while running in a field near the family home. Chad then went up to Clayton, who had fallen injured, and fired another two shots into his head. Finally, Chad ripped three-year-old Chase from his mother's arms and put a bullet in his head as well. It would appear that Chad shot his wife, Laura, in the hand to prevent her from protecting little Chase. This guy is an absolute monster. To do this to his family, to the wife and kids who looked up to him to be their protector and who likely trusted him more than anyone else in the world, to betray all of them is the very definition of evil. Dorman was indicted last Thursday on the following charges stemming from the June 15th crime. Nine counts of aggravated murder, eight counts of kidnapping, and four counts of felonious assault. By restraining his sons, Chad was in essence kidnapping them, hence the kidnapping charges. Chad Dorman's next court appearance is a pretrial hearing that is scheduled for 11 a.m. on July 5th. That's all for today. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories. Do me a favor, smash that like button. It's a free way you can help me. And I'll see you next time. 911, where's your emergency? <laughs> um, I am, I'm, uh, there's a girl uh, running down the street being like, her stepfather is killing everyone in her family. Um, it's on the corner of uh, where there's a body shop in the fire department. Do you know what road this is? Okay, what's your name? Give it to the fire department. What's your name? My, do you know what road this is? Laura Lindell Road. what? It's Laura Lindell Road. Okay, and what did the female say to you? Uh, she says that her stepfather is killing everybody in her house. I did. I'm call, I'm on the phone with them right now. You say how or what was happening? I asked her, I asked her to get in the car with me and she said she couldn't leave her family. But she I think she ran to the fire department. So she went to the fire station? What did she look like? She's a, a she, she's probably a young teenager, probably like 50, uh, 16, maybe, with long blonde hair. Um, and they, she has a black baby? dog. Did she say anything about a baby? I don't know about no baby. She said she just couldn't leave her family. But I see a car running around. I'm sorry? Do you see anything from the house? All I, I, well, so I drove down the road a little bit, so I was afraid that I was going to get shot myself since I interacted with her face-to-face. Um, so I, I'm just about, like, uh, maybe three houses down. Um, but she's like waiting at the corner. I don't know what she's doing, but I kind of still see her in the corner. But I saw a car kind of came around and.